0: Morning, church. If you can, oh, can you do me a favor? Y'all know what the word "scooch" means. I mean, slide. If you could, we got a great problem, but uh, y'all just slide in a little bit. There, there, you, there's, a, there's a space between you and your neighbor. Slide to the middle. To the middle. Slide to the middle. Um, we got some chairs we're bringing in for some of our guests, but y'all just slide in. And the front row's open. Hot seats, baby. <laughs> and I'm proud of those of you that dare to sit on the front. I tell you, um, as we get ready, um, what I love about doing baptism on the Easter is because it is such a true representation of, of what it means to go from death to life. Amen? And so, so many times we go through the routine of Easter and really forget what it means. That Jesus came and died and was risen from the grave, taking the keys of death, hell, and sin with him. Amen? And so, so that we could have this abundant life. And and so, as we do baptism in just a little while, it's going to show the people that have chosen to take their next step, to profess to the world that hey I'm a child of the king, amen man that's awesome to me and 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 what I love about doing baptism today is I get a chance to to one uh, witness um, and be a part of baptism with some of my best friends and that's so sweet that's so sweet um another thing I love about today is... That is April Fool's Day. I love that because the world has been trying to defame the crucifixion of Jesus Christ since it happened. They've been trying to say that it's null and void. You know, and I love the fact that it's on April Fool's Day because it's ironic that we celebrate April Fool's and Easter today because the empty tomb is a persistent, stubborn voice that says, Christ has. Been resurrected. Amen. 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 Throughout the years, people have been trying to defame that and and say it's false. But through people seeing, like live accounts, through historical records, through all those things that happened, it's hard to refute the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. People seeing it. People's testimony. And on top of that, if it was a lie, how I've never heard of a legend or a lie that's lasted 2,000 years. Huh? So, I mean, the, the stance of the church and how God's church has grown to me is just no more proof how the resurrection is true and real. Amen? So if we believe that, then that should change every aspect of our life. It should radically motivate us to, to be surrendered every day. So the death and the resurrection of Christ is real and it's life-changing. Because when people, the eyewitnesses encountered that, It was like putting gas on the fire. They were on mission. They were fired up, and they went to the death for Christ. Man, that's that's awesome. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get on into the message. Father, we thank you so much for you being true. We thank you, God, for you being the the only thing that we can truly count on. God, we thank you for the resurrection. But, Lord, without the resurrection... It had to be a cross. And God, we thank you for the cross this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the, the nails, the pain that it caused you, Lord, because you can identify with our pain. You can identify with our suffering. I don't serve a God that don't understand how I feel. I serve a God that knows exactly where I am, and how I feel. Lord, you understand disappointment. You understand letdown. You understand pain. You understand depression. You understand hurt. God, we thank you for that. And God, I pray today that you would minister to us, Lord. God, speak to us and change us today. Give us a new perspective on being your people and change us forevermore. Lord, allow Easter to be a point to where we step across the line that's been drawn in the sand and we never turn back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you will, turn to Titus chapter 3. That's where we'll be this morning. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, it'll be on the screen in just a second. Um, but if you got a Bible, and you, when you get to Titus, say amen. All right. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 says this. At one time, we were too, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love Of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. And as you read those texts, I know you, as, I, as God began to lay this on our heart, this is not a traditional Easter passage, but the reality of Easter is to make us all understand is that through Christ, we all have a better story. Amen? And then what, what, in the beginning of this, the resurrection of Christ makes us all understand that we have a story. Every one of us have a past. Every one of us have a story. The question is, has there ever been a semicolon where it says, but when? Amen? But when? Jesus. Appeared. You know, before Christ, I think the biggest understanding in the church today is that we think that that when we're good people, that when we modify our behavior, that that we're good. Amen. That that when we when we're good people, that 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 somehow makes us worthy of God. Being good makes us acceptable to God. How many of you ever thought that being a good man or good woman gets you to heaven? Huh? But I know I have. My grandma meant well, no doubt. But I don't know how many times she said, Jeremy, you a good boy. You a good boy. She didn't know me. She didn't know the stuff I was doing. You're right. I had her fooled. But see, she meant well. But the whole time I was thinking, I mean, Nana said I was good. I mean, and so we get jaded by the world thinking that just because we're good in the eyes of the world around us that we're okay. And the reality is our good is never good enough. We constantly compare ourselves to other people, make ourselves feel good about our goodness, but when we really compare ourselves to the spotless lamb that gave itself for us, my good is not good enough. Amen. And so I think we, we, we confuse Christian conversion with We're really being morally changed. Our morals change. We we stop being a a drug addict and we start doing good things. Let me tell you, it don't matter if you stop doing bad stuff. If you're not following Christ, the bad stuff will come back. You can only modify your behavior so long before you get tired of modifying you. Jesus Christ is the only one that can renew you and make you different. That's the only thing, only person, only, only way we'll ever be new and, and change. That's why so many people start out so right, following Christ, but then after a while, they, they, they leave the church. I don't know how many people have told told me, I just can't do this. It's too hard. You know why? Because they're trying to do it in their own strength. Instead of leaning on Jesus and, pour, and, and, and putting their trust in him and saying, God, you change me. God, you make me. And I can tell you that because I was the same person. I, 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 I can, my, my wife will tell you right now, I'm a fixer. Give me a problem. We're going to fix this thing. Amen? Some of y'all men, the same way in here. Let me, Sabrina, I don't know how many times she has told me, she just, I don't want you to fix it. I don't want you to listen. And what I do, I still try to fix it. But one thing I never could fix, and that was me. I kept trying and trying and trying, but I never could fix me. And some of us in this room, even though you may be following Christ, you've been trying to fix a problem, you've been trying to change, uh, stop sinning, but you haven't given that sin to Christ. You haven't given that problem to God. And so you're walking, feeling like you're powerless because you're not walking in the power of the Spirit, you're walking in your own strength. And so when we try to do things in our own strength, we get tired. And when we get tired, we begin to doubt God and we begin to doubt God, our faith decreases, and we begin to get defeated. And God, we've been standing the whole time at his hand out, wanting you to put your problems in it. And God's called us to be a people that are just pouring our things out to him, pouring our lives out to him, giving him our problems, allowing him to renew us. Amen? But so many times we just assume that we can do it. We're self-sufficient. Being Americans are great, but sometimes it's one of the biggest Problems we have because we rely on ourselves. We want to be a self-made man, a self-made woman. We've done this, this, and this by ourselves, so we think that we can continue on by ourselves. Eventually, you're going to get tired and realize that you can't keep doing these things on your, on your own. See, what I love about this passage is it makes me understand. It says at one time, we too were foolish. Were were past tense Were we used to be used to be that one time we used to be foolish disobedient deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures <coughs> saying that we we all have a story we all have a past we all have a, a time in our life where we once were disobedient and, and when i read this text i told the, the, the prayer team that word enslaved man just just like jumped out the page at me that we were enslaved. Man, to be enslaved means to be under the oppression of, to be controlled by, to be a slave to something. And you know what's crazy? Is None of us probably, none of us in this room understand what slavery is all about, but see, to be a slave means you're owned by someone. So either you are a slave to this world or you're a slave to Christ. Because you can't own yourself because you didn't make you. And so either you're a slave to this world or you're a slave to Christ. And so a slave can only do what their master says do. You with me? But see, you can be a good slave and be owned by the wrong owner. Ooh, that was good. (laughs) Uh, I should have did a little dap when I said that. But that's the reality is that we can be good and have the wrong owner. So many of us in this room, so many of us struggle because we don't know who our master is. And if you're either you're enslaved by this world or you're enslaved to the master. And the fruit of your life shows who you're enslaved to. And it says that you once were foolish, we were, asleep. We were deceived by all kind of passions and we were disobedient. See, our obedience to Christ shows who our master is. And so many people are enslaved by this world that Jesus came to set us free from. Jesus came to set us free from the darkness. Jesus came to set us free from a life that's empty. Jesus came to set us free from all these things, but yet we remain enslaved to this world because we want temporary happiness in it. See, I, I just I love that because it really makes me understand that without Christ, there's no hope. Without me surrendering my life to Jesus, there is no way I can ever please God because you can't please God if you're enslaved to Satan. You can't please God if you're enslaved to anything else other than Jesus Christ. So if I'm hopeless without Jesus, we were hopeless without the the cross. Good Friday is good because on that cross, Those rusty nails were driven in Jesus' hands, and he was on that cross, church. And he paid the penalty of our sins on that cross. But Good Friday wouldn't be good if Sunday didn't show up. Amen? If he didn't come out of the grave, if he didn't didn't resurrect, Sunday was no good. I mean, Friday was no good. And so we come today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the the one that came so that we could have a different owner. We could have a a new life. We could have a purpose, not enslaved by my old life. And, you know, as I I read the Scripture, all the, the problem that happened all through Scripture was there was no way for them to change them. Before Jesus died on the cross, they could modify their behavior. They could make these rules to keep them in line, but they couldn't change their heart but when jesus died on the cross and he and he and he resurrected on the third day he gave us the holy spirit which it empowers us to live a life of victory in the name of jesus which allows us to live a life that, that god changes us through his spirit amen and so walking in the spirit walking with god every single day shows us who our owner is and that word enslaved It's just been constantly on my mind because so many of of us are enslaved by the world. We're enslaved by ourselves. And Jesus is not our master. We may do good things, but is he the reason you do good? You know, it's so easy to realize, to to, to look at this text and and think that, that, oh, God, you're not talking about me, but... He wants us to understand that we're all in the same boat before Christ. All of us were foolish. All of us were disobedient. All of us were hopeless. The only thing that separates those that are following Jesus from those that are not is that those that are following Jesus put their trust, their faith, and everything in Him. Amen? You have to choose that every day. That don't come natural. You have to want to. That's why the Scripture says that we should continue to be be, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that we continue to fill ourselves up. There's less of me and more of Him. Amen? That's why, what, what does the Scripture say? He must increase and I must decrease. That's why it's so important. You will not be less if you don't have Christ as the owner of your life. And he died and, had, and the resurrection is, is a way, so it's the way for us to change ownership. Who owns you? Jesus does. And he did it so that we could have an opportunity to choose him. In that. See, I love in verse four. It says, But when the kindness and love of our Savior appeared. See, we were all hopeless. We were all deceived. There's no way, there's no way to follow Christ. Some of us were deceived by religion, thinking that just going to church, checking the boxes, everything was good to go, we were deceived. But when Christ appeared, see, when you truly meet Jesus, everything changes. When he appeared, I remember going to church for years, going to church, and I hear people telling testimonies about radical things that happened and, and this, this change in them, and I was still dead inside. Going to church with a Sunday school book, baby. Dead, dying, going to hell. But I thought I was right because I was going to church. And so only until I truly surrendered my life to God is when I truly understood what they meant. And some of you in here is like, I I don't understand what he's talking about. When when God really shows up in your life, when he truly is revealed to you, when there's a change that happens, let me tell you, everything is different from that moment on. You begin to love different. You begin to forgive different. You begin to to want to work different. Everything, your whole motivation is not about you anymore. It's about proclaiming Christ, glorifying God with everything in you. Amen? Amen? Everything changes from that moment on. If you've never experienced a time in your life where Christ has appeared, then you don't know Jesus. And we can go to church and we can say, well, I've done this, this, and this, and I've had all these great things. But until he has transformed you, until he has touched you, until he has moved on you, and you have truly seen him, nothing will change in your life. You will only try to manipulate your behavior. You will try to stop cussing as much as you used to. You, you quit telling. I, I'm trying my best. I don't know how many times I've heard. Man, I've been trying to quit telling them dirty jokes. Who? It's hard. You know what happened to me? When 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 Jesus appeared to me, dropping those things were no problem. Were no problem. It was one of those things like I didn't struggle with that. Amen, brother. I'm preaching now, but <laughs> he, he took him away. Amen. He took them away. He, he changed it. He, he takes them away. But see, the problem with so many of us, we're struggling through life because we're not allowing God to take them away. But when he truly appears, when he truly changes you, everything changes. We're fixing to watch a video in just a second of a sister of mine. And Brittany, I love her so much. And, man, to see what God's done in her life is Amazing to see where she was caught up in sin, caught up in, in, in religion, and then all of a sudden something changed, and she realized that the only way she was going to be free from this sin was she had to totally surrender everything to God. And when she did that, everything changed. Everything changed. See, nothing changes unless we realize that we are deprived. We will never, ever be able to love Jesus. We will continually hate people, we continue to, to disobey God until He has appeared in our life, and we have truly changed our life and surrendered our life to Him. And because of Easter, we get the opportunity. That's why Easter is so important. As, as Gresham said, "That's why Easter is our bread and butter, because we get the opportunity to choose Christ, because He chose us. See verse four through seven? When he says he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. See, when God changed us, when God saved us, his intentions were not for you to stay at that point of salvation. So many people claim Jesus and they're still standing in the same box that they raised their hand in. He said he, caused, he wanted to be washing with rebirth, what, what the renewal. It's supposed to be changing you, amen? But you, When you look back at your life, you shouldn't be the same person you were 10 years ago. You should look more and more like Jesus. Your character should be more and more like Christ. You should be able to love people like Jesus loves people. Not perfectly, but closely. You should be able to, to, walk, to, to walk with brothers and sisters that don't agree, but love them anyway. You, you should be able to to walk away from sin that you know doesn't please God. You should be to walk away from lifestyles that doesn't please God because He is your owner. He is the most important thing ever. Nothing else matters because He rose for you. Man, that's awesome to me. It's awesome to me. It was re- not just rebirth, not just, all right, I'm born again. I have a new purpose. But let me tell you, He's in charge of doing the changing in your life. He's in charge of growing you. But see, what happens is he says, this sin isn't right. And we say, no, God, I like that. The the growth stops right there. He's going to point it out, but he's not going to make you because making you would not show that you loved him. And it's a love relationship, not a dictatorship. And so, so many Christians are just hung up on the past, hung up on sin, because they're not not allowing God to rebirth them, to renew them, to regenerate them, to change them. The only way that that can happen is through the Holy Spirit. And the last thing before we show this video is I want you to understand that just because we're saved, we're saved for more than just showing up on Sunday. We're saved for more than just... Our salvations, so many times we, we're selfish people. Ten out of ten people in here are selfish. Amen. Some of y'all looked at your neighbors like, yep. Some of you didn't even look. Y'all just rolled your eyes over there. I saw it. Verse 8. I love this. It says, This is trustworthy saying and that I want you to stress this, these things, so that those who have trusted in God may carefully be devoted and devote themselves. To doing what is good. And what is good is what God said is good. We should be devoting ourselves to the things of the Lord. There should be change happening. We should be doing things that God says do. We should be living the way God says live. Amen? That means our whole life is now not outlined what I want, but we outline my whole life, my whole being, my, my, my forgiveness. my Everything I do should be in line with this, right? My, my desire, my, my ambition, my finances, everything should line up to this. The way I love my wife, the way I love my co-worker, the way I even work at work. Mm. All that should line up to this. Everything changes. It's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's not about my feelings. It's about what God expects his, his slaves to have, right? Those that have been purchased by the blood of Christ. And if you put yourself in God's shoes, if you sent your son to die on a cross, if his blood was shed for the sins of many, your expectations of other people would be, you better do right, boy. I gave my son for you. Do right. Act right. Thank God I ain't God. (laughs) But if we thought that way, maybe we'd be more intentional with how we love Jesus. See, everybody has a story. And Easter is about a Savior that loved us enough to come out of heaven, to walk along a people that hated him. That if you looked at his ministry while he was on earth, it looked like a failure. But he was changing people, God was moving. Jesus was healing people that He knew they didn't even appreciate the healing. God did. Th- Jesus did things in people's lives that they didn't deserve. As I thought about last Sunday, Palm Sunday. He was coming in, and they were laying down palm branches so the donkey didn't even get his feet dirty. And they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna! They were screaming to the top of their lungs. And then by last Friday, by Friday, they were saying Crucify. Him. He came to die for those people that turned on him. Every time that nail was driven in his hands a little deeper, he died for those Roman soldiers that mocked him, that only was interested in his clothing. When he got put on the cross and he was, got stood up and, and that, that sour wine got put in his mouth, he, he died for those that were mocking him even more. Jesus saw the end, and he knew it was worth it. Jesus' story was so that we could have a redemption story. God didn't come and send Jesus so you to stay in your mess. See, we just got a saying here, Connection. It's okay not to be okay. But it ain't okay to stay that way. Because when you meet the power of the risen Savior, things should happen and change in your life. You should no longer be the same. And as we get ready to play Brittany's testimony, it's a great picture of what redemption looks like.
1: As a child, I grew up in a normal household. Uh, It was me and my sister and my two parents. We grew up going to church. My dad was pretty much everything to me. He was my hero. He taught me how to play all the sports I knew how to play. Um, And I just thought the world of him. Things began to go south in our family. um, And my dad made some decisions that really deeply affected our family uh, and, and really hurt me because I looked up to him. And when I got to high school, I just started escaping. Grew up next door to Billy Shiver and his family, and I would just go over there and hang out with him, um, hang out with his sister. I can remember being at an FCA rally uh, with Billy, and we were both there, and I can remember um, just hearing the message, and I began to feel this feeling i never felt before, and honestly i didn't know what was happening i i I felt like jesus was changing my heart and at the end the pastor gave a salvation call and next thing you know my hand was up in the air and i received jesus as my savior you know i i had this group of friends that i worked with and all i really wanted was for them to come to church with me i continued to just ask and ask, and for a long time i got no response and then finally one day one of them finally caved in and she began to come to church with me. And we continued to go, and we were really inseparable for a very long time. Uh, sooner or later, next thing I know, I have these emotions and feelings that I don't, I don't really know where they're coming from. Um, and she's experiencing the same thing. And flash forward, and it's my first homosexual relationship. Neither one of us knew what we were doing. Um, I knew that something inside of me didn't let it settle right, and, and something wasn't right about it. But I thought that the emotions and feelings inside of me were also right. And at that age, I didn't really know how to cope with that. I began to party, I began to drink, and I went off to college. At this point, I was going crazy. I was partying every single day of the week, uh, Monday through Saturday, we were at the bar. And at Sunday, I'd try to make my way to church just to check that box. So everybody knew, except for my parents, I was pretty much living this double life at that point in time. Billy was at Georgia Southern still, and I can remember him inviting me to Connection Church uh, when it was that little blue building behind Burger King. and. Um, I said, okay, I'll I'll try it. And so I went, and I can remember Brandon just, I've never heard anybody share the gospel like he did. And I never have seen somebody so passionate about Jesus like he was. And so um, slowly but surely, I began to go constantly. And I really quit partying for a while. And I I told myself, you know what, I'm done with that homosexual lifestyle and and I want to follow Jesus. It lasted for a little while until Satan placed people in my path and I fell right back into sin. This is about the point where I just hit rock bottom. I just kind of started to believe that that lifestyle was who I was. Um, I, I thought that that was how I was born. I thought I said all those things um, to really try to justify the lifestyle that I was living. And so I can remember one afternoon, my sister texted me, and she said, Brittany, I just want to know the truth. Finally, I got to the place of, I just said, yes, this is who I am. This is this is the life I'm choosing to live. And, and she said, Brittany, I love you no matter what. I knew in that moment something triggered in me. And when I got back home that day, I prayed. And I got my Bible for the first time I would picked it up in a long time. And I prayed, and I said, God, if my lifestyle is wrong, please show me. I randomly opened it up to Romans 1. And I began to read that text. And I got about halfway through it. I closed my Bible. I didn't want to hear the truth. And I'd pray, God, I just want you to take this away from me. I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I am struggling in sin. Like, I do not want to be this person. I don't want to be gay. And nothing ever changed and it took me a long time to realize that i was praying the wrong prayer i was asking god to change my actions rather than asking god to change the condition of my heart i can remember mr jeff and miss tracy shiver billy's parents just saying hey billy's playing a church in vidalia you should come check it out and i thought to myself i can't do that people know what i've been doing and then one evening they were uh meeting during evening services and I decided I said mom let's go let's go check it out and so I remember walking into that service and Billy said it's okay not to be okay and that's one thing I always carry with me because at that moment in time I was not okay those messages really hit home for me and, and at that moment God began to stir my heart back in my freshman year of college I met this friend named Jessica me and Jessica we were friends on and off throughout this whole period of time I knew that she had struggled with the same sin I had struggled with, um, but she was actually the first person I saw um, God bring out of this sin. We were at a wedding reception, and Jessica was there, and the Lord was telling me to go talk to her. He said, Brittany, go. And I was so prideful at that moment in time, I just didn't want to lay it down. Um, And my pride almost stopped me from going up to her, but I did. And we sat there, and we talked until 2 o'clock in the morning. And I told her, I said, God is dealing with my heart, but I am so afraid to walk away from this life that I'm living. She told me, she said, think about a a baby deer. She called them bambi legs. And she said, you're going to walk, but you're going to have bambi legs at first. You're going to be really wobbly. You're going to fall down. But you're going to have to press into God, and he's going to grow your legs stronger and stronger. And so I said, okay, Bambi Legs it is. I was done. I was done with that lifestyle. I was done playing the fence with God. I was done hiding. And uh, I was ready, I was ready. And so I began to pursue God from that moment on. And at that point in time, Billy talked me into going into a connect group. And I was terrified. I." Didn't want to go, I didn't want to open up to people. Um, I was just afraid, Uh, but Jessica said, you've got to do this, and so I went. I found myself in a group with Kate and Billy. Kate really began to challenge me like I'd never been challenged before. And I can remember her calling me one day and said, hey, uh, Connection wants to do a testimony video and uh, Billy thinks you should do it. And my heart dropped. And I told her, I said, I'm not ready to tell anybody at this point in time. She said, okay, and, and, and we went from there. And so that following week, I showed up at Connect Group and Kate says, tonight we're gonna share testimonies. <laughs> and I thought, I hate you. <laughs> I was panicked. I didn't want anybody to know. There were people in there who I had been friends with since three years old, and I had been keeping this secret for eight years now. And uh, by the time it got around to my turn, I couldn't lie. I just knew that I needed to tell them. And so I began to tell this story, and I could feel a weight lift off my chest physically when I began to be transparent with them and be open with them. And that day was when I finally understood the importance of community. I was ready to go and I was just fired up for Jesus again. I was back in a really good place and God had just honestly restored me. I just knew that I needed God to just, I mean, cleanse my heart of all of it. And so I got baptized on September 11, 2015 and I was willing to do anything and everything for this church and, and for the kingdom. I just want people to see that no matter where you've been, no matter what sin you're struggling with, God is able and He is greater than any sin that you may be dealing with. But He's just waiting on you to reach out your hand and take His.
0: You know, as I as I watched that video, one thing kept going through my mind is is how Easter may dress us up, but it don't clean us up. And I love Brittany's story because it truly shows how someone who has been enslaved by the world has been has been deceived by thinking that this sin, this lifestyle, is correct. I can identify. I can identify because I had, I thought that the life of, of a partier, life of, 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 of a reveler, I thought that was life, and that was okay. And, and the world around me said it was okay. But when I met Jesus for the first time, and I truly chose Jesus like she did, everything changed. You notice how she kept falling back in and falling back in, but then finally her eyes were opened, and, and she ain't been the same since. God has used that woman in a powerful way just like God wants to use you. And so many times we look at people on the screen and we look at testimony videos and we are like, well, that's great, but how does that apply to me? Well, it all comes down to who's your master? I'm going to close on this as we get ready to go celebrate baptisms. But I was thinking about this. I was cleaning up. It's getting springtime. I was out in the yard and I bought an old... 77 Scotchdale not so long ago and that thing is raggedy it's going to take a lot of work it's had a lot of hard miles on it you know when I bought it I paid cash and I paid for it in full but I realized this weekend that it's not really mine I've had it in my possession for about five months four months but the title, it still has the previous owner's name on it. And I never went and got it exchanged. How many of us in this room are just like my old truck? To where we understand that the price has been paid for our salvation. But we've never really done anything with it. and The title to your heart still belongs to this world. And you've never truly exchanged it, and allow God to sign it. See, some of us need to exchange our title today, and say, "You know what, God? I don't, I'm no longer own me. I'm giving it to you today. I want you to be the owner of my life. I want you to change me. Nothing's going to change in your life until He is the center." You know what? I can't legally do anything to that truck because it's not mine. I can't fix it up. I can't. I can't fix the dents. I can't do those things until it's really mine. See, a lot of us we're still walking in the same hurt and the same past of yesterday because he does not have the title to your heart. He doesn't have the center of it. You don't have it at all. You've had possession. All of us, because of Easter, we have possession of the greatest gift ever given. He's given us salvation. He's given us hope. He's given us life. He's given us a way to change and be transformed, not to be the same person we are. But we have to receive that gift and say, God, I want you to be the center of my life. And until that happens, church, nothing's going to change. You're going to keep feeling dead inside. You're going to keep going through the motions. At a time, we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That we lived in envy. That we hated and being hated by one another. But when, can you say that with me? But when the kindness and the goodness and the love of our God appeared, He saved us. If you ever never had a but when moment in your life, if you never had that that change that time where He has appeared and He's changed you from here on out. If you never had that opportunity, if you never had that chance, if you've never truly surrendered, then today's the day that you need to do that. And i will to give you an opportunity. If you can honestly say that God doesn't have the keys to my heart. I haven't truly surrendered my life to God. I make no of him. I know the price paid, but he doesn't have, he don't have control of my life. He's not the center of my life. If that's you today, be bold and just raise your hand so we can pray with you and we can celebrate with you that you want God to be the center of everything. Anybody? Anybody? See, uh, one of the things that got me is I think about so many of us live a whole life and our whole life is a wreck. You know how I know that? Because I look at Facebook. And we put all our, our problems, we put a lot of lies on there, a mask how we really feel. But a lot of us, whether you want to admit it to this whole congregation, or nah, not, your life is a wreck right now. Feel the, dis- feel the disappointment fill of anxiety fill of of, of just fear you don't know what true peace is your life is a wreck you feel hopeless all the time there's no relief and I beg you today to to come to God don't go down with the wreckage don't go down with the wreck that you think you are give your life to God surrender those problems to him he's got power amen how do we think that he defeated death and hell that he can't handle our problems he can't handle our infirmities. He can't handle my feelings. Come on, let's give those things to Him. Because if He is ours, if He is, if he truly is, like you didn't raise your hand, then that means you are God's. If He is the center of your life, then your life should give glory to God. So my question to you is, why isn't it? What's holding you back? If we put your story on that screen. Would it show victory or defeat? Jesus paid the price. We just have to walk in it. And that's what this altar is for. As the worship band plays and leads us in the worship, I just want you to really think about are you walking in the goodness of God? Is there a time in which you transferred from who you once were to who you are in Christ. Is there a difference? Because that's the most important thing. Amen? It's your turn to respond. It's your turn to check your heart. Because He said He created for us to do good, not stand still. If you'll stand with me. And y'all do business with God as you see fit as God's moving in your heart. Father God, we come to you right now, and we ask you, Lord, to, to move in us and change us, Lord. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for just uh, for how you change us. And God, we thank you for life. God, we thank you, Father, for just the cross, and we thank you, God, for resurrection. God, I pray today that you would resurrect us. That God, that we lay in our own misery, and we lay in our own self-pity, and we... Think about how tomorrow's not going to get any better, but God, we don't give it to you and allow you to change us and resurrect us, God. So move in our hearts, God. Change us today. I pray, God, we will leave here not being empty but being full. So God, only you can do that. We give this time to you, God. Do with it. Do with it what you wish. And God, I pray
1: that no one in this room can quench your spirit. In Jesus' name.